would ask you to turn, please, to Isaiah chapter 52. Isaiah 52. We'll read together uh, the most magnificent passage uh, from the Word of God. Isaiah 52 and verse 13. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness, so he will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see, and what they have not heard, they will understand. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. And he will bear their iniquities. Therefore I will give him a portion among the great. And he will divide the spoils with the strong. Because he poured out his life unto death. And was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many. And made intercession for the transgressors. Amen. So as we come to the first of our three Sunday mornings, considering this incredibly significant passage, 
we're going to do three things before we really start to work in detail with the text of the passage. We're going to do three things. We're going to identify the subject of the passage. Who is it referring to? And to be honest, that will take up this morning. But then we will also be thinking about the theme of the passage. What is it about? And thirdly, before we get into the detail of the text, we'll say something about the structure of the passage, how it is that it fits together. Can I say, folks, you will get so much more out of these studies if you have a Bible in front of you. We are people of the book. We need to work with Scripture. And what it will even produce what I would call a physical dividend this morning. Because we're going to be spending quite a bit of time reading in the book of Isaiah. And then quite a bit of time reading in the New Testament. And you will actually have that experience of seeing how this book ties together, that it is one book with one message centered in one person. So let's not become lazy in our attitude to handling the Bible. Let's not become passive. Let's work at this for ourselves. So who is the passage about? Who is Isaiah's suffering servant. And I suspect that just about everyone here today will say, that's so easy. It's about Jesus. And obviously, I agree with you. But let's just understand how it is that we get there. Because you will note that Jesus is not mentioned by name anywhere in this passage. In fact, What is the title of the subject of this passage? Well, we're told it at the very start and at the end. Have a look at Isaiah 52, verse 13, the opening verse. See, my servant will act wisely. Then go to Isaiah 53, verse 11. Just in the middle of the verse. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. So this passage is about Jehovah, the Lord God's servant. No one will challenge that. It's on the surface there. But we need to understand that this is actually only one of several passages in the book of Isaiah that speak about Jehovah's servant. So let's hear some things that are said about Jehovah's servant, and you might be quite surprised by what you hear. So this is where we need to do a bit of work in the book of Isaiah. Turn to Isaiah chapter 41. Verses 8 and 9. Isaiah 41, verse 8. But you, Israel, my servant, 
Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend, I took you from the ends of the earth, from its farthest corners, I called you. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. Turn over to Isaiah 42, verse 18. Hear, you deaf, look, you blind, and see, who is blind but my servant, and deaf like the messenger I send? Who is blind like the one in covenant with me, blind like the servant of the Lord. Isaiah 44. Verse 1. But now listen, Jacob, my servant, Israel whom I have chosen. This is what the Lord says. He who made you, who formed you in the womb and who will help you. Do not be afraid, Jacob, my servant, Jesrun, whom I have chosen. Verse 21 of the same chapter, Isaiah 44. Remember these things, Jacob, for you, Israel, are my servant. I have made you, you are my servant. Israel, I will not forget you. It couldn't be any clearer that the nation of Israel is here addressed, is described as Jehovah's servant. An unfaithful servant, admittedly, but Jehovah's servant nonetheless. That's there in the text. But now we're going to listen to some other verses from Isaiah concerning Jehovah's servant. Go to Isaiah 42. I'm going to read the first seven verses. Isaiah 42, verse 1. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teachings, the islands will put their hope. This is what God the Lord says, the creator of the heavens who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk in it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. To open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison and to release from the dungeon those who sit 
in darkness. Go to Isaiah 49 to hear some more statements concerning Jehovah's servant. Exactly the same title. Isaiah 49 verse 5. And now the Lord says, He who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to himself, to gather Israel to himself. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has been my strength. He says, it is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Israel and to bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. One more. Isaiah 50, verse 4. The sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. The sovereign Lord has opened my ears. I have not been rebellious. I have not turned away. I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore have I set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. We read verses about Israel being God's servant, disobedient, unfaithful. But then we read about another servant described with exactly the same title, who putting it all together brings universal justice to the earth, offers hope, Acts as a covenant for the people, that's Israel. Brings light to the Gentiles. Offers, brings deliverance to captives. Restores Israel, gathers the Gentiles in salvation and suffers. But suffers as he trusts in the faithfulness of God to him. And our passage, our famous passage that we read this morning is another one of those passages about that latter servant. So do you see what is happening in the book of Isaiah? Specifically in the second half of the book of Isaiah, which is chapters 40 to 66, the Jews referred to this second half of the book of Isaiah as the book of consolations. Because it it offers hope to the nation that one day they would be restored. And much is said about Israel as God's servant. But increasingly in these chapters of hope and restoration and consolation, another servant comes into view. 
And this servant is said to both suffer for the nation and indeed to suffer at the hands of the nation. And yet, through his suffering, he will restore the nation to God. He will bring salvation to the Gentiles. He will bring justice to the earth. And the very purposes of God will prosper in his hand. So now, let's come to the New Testament. And see how again and again, it connects this suffering servant of Isaiah 53 with Jesus of Nazareth. And what better place to start than at the beginning? Let's think of what we're told about the events concerning the birth of Jesus. And I'm sure you know this story. Mary and Joseph bring the baby Jesus to the temple to present him to the Lord When in comes what I would describe as a divinely directed gatecrasher. Turn please to Luke chapter 2. And this is why I say there's a physical dividend. You're going to take those Old Testament prophecies and you're now going to come to the New Testament and you're going to see how they tell one story and how they coalesce in one person. Luke chapter 2. Verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Ring any bells? And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all nations. Listen. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. By revelation, Simeon knows the identity of the one that he cradles in his arms. He's saying, This is Jehovah's servant. Of Isaiah's prophecy. This is the one who will restore Israel. This is the one who will bring salvation. To the ends of the earth. To the Gentiles. Go to Matthew. Chapter 8. And we're now coming to. The ministry. The public ministry of Jesus. For approximately three years. 
Let's see the connection that Matthew makes as Jesus heals the sick, as he delivers the oppressed. What does Matthew have to say? Matthew chapter 8, verse 14. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her and she got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. And he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all who were ill. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. That is the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament that Matthew is quoting there, Isaiah 53, verse 4. He's saying, write this over the public ministry of Jesus. He's fulfilling all that was said about Jehovah's servant. The New Testament connects the birth of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus and the sufferings of Jesus to the servant of Isaiah 53. Listen to Philip in his providential encounter with the Ethiopian eunuch, which is described for us in Acts chapter 8. Go to Acts chapter 8, verse 30. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. And who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. The apostle Peter's mind is full of Isaiah chapter 53 as he reflects upon the innocent sufferings of Christ. This is from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. To this you were called, that is, by the way, to unjust suffering. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Quote, he committed no sin. And no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. 
He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness, quote, by his wounds you have been healed. Now we could keep going with this. It's calculated that there are as many as 41 citations of Isaiah 52, 53, either as direct quotations or as indirect allusions, which identify Jesus of Nazareth as Jehovah's suffering servant. But most significantly of all, we're going to listen to Jesus himself. Speaking at both the very beginning and the end of his public ministry. So I'm asking you now to listen out for Jesus' self-understanding. Who he understood himself to be. And who he told others he was. Go to Luke chapter 4. Right at the very beginning of the public ministry of Jesus. Luke chapter 4 verse 16. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus is saying that he is Jehovah's servant. He is this savior figure who is described in the latter chapters of the book of Isaiah. The one who will restore Israel. The one who will bring salvation to the Gentiles. The one who will set captives free. Jesus is saying on nearly day one of his ministry, if you want to understand me, who I am, and why I have come, then listen to the prophet Isaiah, because he is describing me. And Jesus made the same connection in respect of his suffering and death that we have been focusing on this morning. As he made his way with his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane, he told his disciples 
that if they were going to make sense of all that would befall him, then they must understand him to be Jehovah's servant, as described in Isaiah 53. Go to Luke chapter 22. Luke 22 and verse 37. I think this is one of the most neglected verses in the New Testament. I've never heard a sermon on this verse, which when you hear the content of it, you will be amazed at. The context is Jesus is making his final preparations for going to the garden for all that will follow in the cross. That's the context, okay? Verse 37, Jesus is the one speaking now. It is written, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And I tell you that this must be fulfilled in me. Yeah, now, in case you didn't get that, Jesus is still speaking. Yes, what is written about me is reaching its fulfillment. Now do you understand why it's amazing we don't say more about that? Now I have taken all of this morning just to show how clearly the New Testament identifies Jesus of Nazareth as Jehovah's servant. Why? Because the entire Christian faith is built on that foundation. Jesus is the promised Messiah. He didn't just show up in our world and say, I'm going to deliver sinners. Absolutely not. Jesus fulfills the hope that the Old Testament holds out by all those different ways, like the tearing of the veil, the fulfillment of that. Everything in the Old Testament says, Jesus, you're the answer. He is the God-appointed saviour of mankind. Christians are people who take the first half or two-thirds of that book and they say, everything pointed to Jesus. And the rest of the New Testament tells you what this Jesus has done and what he offers to us, and what he's going to do. And do you know what he's going to do? He's going to fulfill everything in that first part of that book. And Jesus' work isn't finished, guys. His atoning work is finished. But the Messiah will bring justice to the earth. He will renew this entire creation. His work isn't finished. There's a glorious future. But you know what? His atoning work and all the promises of a restored creation, ourselves included, they all grow out of what we're going to be thinking about in our next two studies. The sufferings.
of Jehovah's servant. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Castlereagh Fellowship podcast. For more podcasts, Bible teaching videos, and to see what's going on at the church, please visit our website, castlereaghfellowship.com. God bless.